You are listening to messages from Victory Outreach in the city of Whittier. We pray that you are inspired, challenged, and provoked to become all that God has called you to be. For daily insight, please log into victoryoutreachwhittier.org. I said the women are in revival mode. They have, that was late. Somebody was just sitting there, one of the sisters, and at the end, after everybody shows, ooh, ooh. And uh, uh, they, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday night, amen, they had um, powerful uh, services. Yesterday, they had a regional, amen, and it was powerful. My wife got down, she spoke so clearly, so powerfully about passion and different things, uh, but here's, you know, I was so blessed, and then I was sitting in the back with Pastor Ray, we, we, we launched him out last year, um, it's one of the churches, we were able to give birth to three, amen, we had a part in three churches last year, amen, we were looking at the prophecy Pastor Ray gave us, and he said that apostolic anointing that is on Pastor Sonny is on my life, he said, is now coming upon your life, and you're going to plant many churches, and I felt, yesterday I told Ray, I was sitting back there and I felt the presence of God and I told Ray, Ray, has anybody gotten saved in your church since we, let, we sent you out? And he lit up and he said, we're pioneering, Pastor. We got like 40 people, 50, we're between 40 and 50 people. We've only been out for a few months, but we got people coming with burnt lips. They're, they're, they got hangovers, but they're trying to, they're learning about Jesus and... You know, uh, one guy's running, his police officer's looking for him, and the other guy, his wife beat him up, and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff is happening. I, I, he said, yeah, people have gotten saved. People's lives are getting touched. And when he said that, I whispered something to the Lord. I said, Lord, that's why we do what we do here in Whittier. That's why we do what we do. See, that's what it's about. That's, we, we, it, it, that's what it's all about. The Lord chose to use this parable. We're gonna, I'm going to try to move as fast as I can. This is the only recorded miracle, like I've shared with you before, in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew chapter 14, it's in Mark chapter 6, it's in Luke chapter 9, and it's here in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Last week we looked at that. We looked at some of the reasons why, and today I want to drive home a little bit more of the reasons why. Out of all the miracles that the Lord could have used, out of the miracle of blind Bartimaeus, about the man that, that was crippled from birth, and all of these miraculous miracles that people seen and said, wow, wow, the leopards. Remember the ten lepers? One came back grateful. They were cleansed from their leper. I mean, out of all those miracles... Jairus' daughter, raised from the dead, the centurion's servant who was on his deathbed, and the Lord didn't even, he just spoke it, and he was healed. Out of all that, God chose to only put one miracle in all four Gospels. We, let it, we read it last week in John chapter 6, 1 through 13. Let me just bring you up to speed so I don't take, take a long time this morning. I'm just going to be as brief as possible, maybe... Three or four hours, and then <laughs> just kidding. You know the story. 
We looked at the selfishness. We looked at different reasons. Why would the Lord choose to use this one miracle? I want to talk about that today. He, he, he chose to use this in all four Gospels because there's so much, uh, so, so much stuff in there that we can learn from that helps us change and grow as Christians, as leaders, as the people of God. It's a miracle of provision. It's different than most other, because here's what I want to do. I want, I want to captivate your minds. If you're a Christian and you've been saved and read the word, I want to challenge your thinking. If you're new in the Lord, just be open and, and, and listen and watch. When God does something, he's very intentional. God doesn't waste time. Even in that parable, he teaches us about not wasting nothing. He made him gather up the leftovers. So God doesn't waste time like some of us do. How many of you have ever wasted time? No, no, I'm not talking about when you were in the world. You know, and you woke up and you don't know how you got there. Huh? Or you look over and say, oh my God, who? Okay, now move on, move on, move on. Oh, don't get started. This is Victory Outreach. I, I mean, I don't know. If that, I'm just some of the testimonies the guys have shared with me. Now, I'm talking about Christians, that you have regrets. So that whole parable is talking about not wasting your life, not wasting your talents, not wasting time, all that kind of stuff. We're going to get to all this. But I want you to think about this. What's different about this miracle, too, is it, it, it's like what we call, or what I call, I, I was trying to find it in the, all the different commentaries, trying to look it up and research. And as I was preparing this series uh, uh, some time ago, and thinking that when we came to this, what the miracles that I was going to speak on this. And I began to try to research, find out, like, like is there a name for this? And I couldn't come up with it. Nobody, no commentary, no, no research provided a name. And I thought about, because it was like thoughts the Holy Spirit was giving me. This miracle is different. Because when you see somebody who was born blind, and all of a sudden they see, and if you knew them, you go, Wow! Or you see somebody get out of a wheelchair or somebody crippled and all of a sudden they can walk. It's like, wow, bam, in your face, baby. But this miracle was an unnoticeable miracle. Because as they began to pass the food, it was just the loaves and the fishes. It wasn't like all of a sudden... That Jesus just beaming, there was like big giant barrels full of food. All of a sudden, Jesus did a miracle, and there was like fish stacked up 10 feet high all everywhere, and loads of fish. It didn't happen like that. It wasn't a bam in your face miracle. It was the way God works in Christians' lives. Sometimes it, he's, it's unnoticeable to some people, but God is at work. So what happened was, let, let's get to it. Verse 5. When Jesus looked up, he saw the great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where should we buy bread? We can't go into that. We talked about it. He asked only to test him. He already knew what he had in mind to do. Come on. Somebody say God knows what he's going to do. And so what happens is, he goes on and he tells them, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. 
So they set down about 5,000 men. Commentaries say 15 to 20, 25,000 with women and children. He took the loaves. You know, he, the little boy came and he gave it to Jesus and he took it. It says, then Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks. And he told them, give them to eat. And they ate as much as they wanted. And he did the same thing with the fish. And they ate until they were full. And then Jesus told them, gather up the leftovers. Let nothing be wasted. One of the things that's very important about this is that they took this, they took the loaves and the fishes. He tells the apostles, the disciples, have the people sit down. And the people sat down in obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. See, every miracle is, is birthed in the womb of two things, warfare and obedience. Warfare always proceeds. It go, there's, al there's always warfare prior to a miracle. Always. And obedience Miracles are birthed in the womb of obedience. I've experienced that in my own ministry and in my own life. Now, what's heavy is this. He tells him, sit down. He took it. He broke it. Earlier, in the, earlier we read and we talked about it last week, how he asked Philip, Philip, look at all these people. Because Philip was from Bethsaida. He was also the administrator of the 12 and, and the organizer. And he was the manager. And he, he was analytical. And we need those kind of people. Somebody say amen. amen. I really need those kind of people. Amen. So what happened was he said, We're and he said, man, Lord, come on. Are you kidding me? Send them away. One of the other gospels, we talked about it. Send them away. It's not our responsibility. Why should we care about them? That's really what they were saying. So there's a lot of things why this miracle is in all four gospels. He was trying to, and we're going to get to that. He was trying to change their mentality. He's trying to grow their faith. He was trying to get them not to be selfish anymore and to care about other people. Because he knew that one day they would have to take care of the church. And you can't have leaders that are selfish, self-centered, unspiritual, and not caring about other people. The way God blesses your life, the way God blesses your ministry, is when you care about other people and your heart is pure and your motives are pure and you have the right kind of heart like Jesus. That's the kind of churches that God blesses. Now, they took it. Imagine, the Philip said, it's not our responsibility. Send them away. He had to grab the basket. Jesus hadn't eaten. The disciples hadn't eaten yet. He took the basket after he broke it, gave thanks, he gave it to them. They went and distributed it. Jesus was trying to teach him, when you serve others and put others first, I'll meet your needs. You'll get taken care of. When you let go of what's in your hand, God, it doesn't leave your life. You're still get, God will take care of you, and he blesses you more in the future too. Because see, can you imagine what was going through their mind? As they were distributing it, 
I wonder if they first started thinking, my God, what? The? But they obeyed God, even when God doesn't make sense. It, they didn't understand. How was those little fishes and loaves going to pro- feed 20,000? That's the miracle. It just never ran out. God kept providing. As they were stepping out in obedience and giving to others, after they had gave to 20-some thousand people, they were able to sit down and eat until they were full. Then Jesus looked over and said, now get up and go get everything. Go, don't let anything go to waste. Get all the scraps. And lo and behold, 12 baskets full. Twelve baskets. Twelve. Last week I talked to you about the importance and the value of twelve in the study of numerology. So there's so many things in this parable. Number one, he's trying to teach us not to be selfish, to care about other people. He's trying to teach him about leadership. He's trying to teach him that when you trust God, you'll never be without. When you trust God, you will not do without. When you let go of everything, when you yield, you don't waste your time, your talents, your finances, and you put God's kingdom first, and you have the right heart and the mentality, God will always provide for you. God will always heal. God will always open doors. But what God wants from us is an obedient heart. Some of you, you're holding back your blessings. You're holding back your miracles because you're stuck on stubborn. You're just stuck on stubborn. When you were in the world, you were stuck on stupid. Now as Christians, sometimes you're just stuck on stubborn. It's another S but a different type. Because at least you ain't stupid. You accepted the Lord. But just because you ain't stupid no more doesn't mean you ain't stubborn. Saul was stubborn. Absalom was stubborn. Judas was stubborn. And he was trying to teach them. Care about others. Care about the church. One day you're going to lead this church. And you're going to have to care. Now the number 12. 12 means this. Let me give, give you a quick breakdown. I'm going to try to go as fast as I can. It means manifest sovereignty. In other words, it means sovereignty that you can actually visualize and see. The sovereignty of God. Now, what does sovereignty mean? When we say God is a sovereign God, it means this. Let me give you Joe's definition. You ready for this? The commentary according to Joe. And not St. Joe either. Because I ain't, I know, anyways. The sovereignty of God means this. Sovereignty means God does what he pleases and is always pleased by what he does. And God said, let there be. God said, let there be and let there be. And the Bible says that God saw that it was God always does what he pleases and is always pleased by what he does. Now, sovereignty, 12 speaks of manifest sovereignty. It speaks of it. it uh, uh, I know the government, but it's a lot deeper than that. Watch this. It speaks of the administration of divine government on earth. It means governmental perfection. Without jealousy, without bribe, without compromise, without all the wickedness that human governments have. Hello, somebody. Huh? It means this. 
the action of controlling a nation, an organization, or people, it means supervision, leadership, and authority. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 27, the people of Israel found water, refreshment, and strength at the 12 wells of water at Elam. In other words, when each of the apostles were doing that and they got the leftovers, what Jesus, with that, what this miracle is trying to show us also is the importance of us having spiritual leadership in our lives. And not only is God always trying to teach the leader to care and to be like him, but he's trying to teach his people, listen, when you obey spiritual leadership, not carnal leadership, there's safety, there's strength. That's why we need the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. When you're not plugged in, you're not as strong as you could be. When you're not plugged in, you're not receiving correction, encouragement, and strength. That's why, that's why that Miracles in all four Gospels. Speaking to us, those people would have left hungry and never got their miracle. But it's a picture how God will bring you to your divine calling when you're submitted under spiritual leadership and spiritual authority. Judas wasn't. Absalom wasn't. Saul wasn't. And look at the end result of their lives. You'll always find strength, provision, a refreshing to your soul and to your life when you submit to divine ordained authority. Leadership. Number one, God. Number two, spiritual leadership that God has placed in our lives. Pastor Sonny understood this in dealing with me. I look back now and I realize why he hammered me. He laughs when, I, when he hears me talk about this now. He laughs now. I wasn't laughing back then. I even used to complain. I even got to the point where I did, I hated it. It was Christmas time, Thanksgiving, because I had to go to the family events. I'm related. And right away he would zoom in. See, Joe, that's the problem with you. I didn't even say that. I'm trying to eat my thumbstick, man. I'm trying to just go and stuff my face and sneak out. See, that's the problem with you. See, guys like you, Bob, and for you, you know why he was doing it? He was trying to get through my stubbornness. He was trying to get through so that I would come to the place that I would not automatically reject correction in my life. Because I grew up in rebellion and in anger. And if you said something, I'd rather fight you. Even if you're going to whoop me, I'll fight you ten times until I win. Even if I never win, I'm still not going to let you tell me what to do. He says, I feel you. I feel you. He says, I'm still like that. Arnie tries to tell me what to do. I don't listen. I'm just kidding. And I had to learn this to watch this 12 government leadership. He knew that God would never be able to trust me with the responsibility of what, what I'm doing now in the whole world, helping him 
this church and as he could break through my stubbornness and I'd come to the place of allowing God, allowing through the leader in my life to bring correction to Joe's life. Here's the test. How do you respond when a leader corrects you or says something you don't like? You can say, oh, thank you, thank you. Walk away. That's stupid. Or you say, who does she think she is? You know what? She can't, she she can't even match her clothes. I'm going to listen to her. Her earrings are too long. You see her makeup? You see her makeup until the, I mean, there's like 10 pounds on there. So the point is, we're not just a church without a vision. We're an army. We're an army. We're based church. We're sending missionaries all over the world. We have missionaries here from Panama. He and his wife are going back real soon. We're still happy churches. We're, we're planning churches. We're an army. We have a, that's why we have to have organization and government and leadership. We need Christians. Oh, we, we need this congregation to understand you're a part of something great. We're not a church with a vision. We're doing something. We're going somewhere. We're building something. And you got to stay open and teachable and let God work in your life. And for those of you that know more than the rest of us, have a nice life. But for the rest of us, we're going to do something for God. We talked about this. What Jesus was doing when he told me, you guys go, go pick up the leftovers. And they come back, each of them, each of them, with the provision of God's miracle. The miracle that seemed unnoticeable. It just seemed like it never got empty. The way God does in our lives sometimes. Sometimes we think God's just, sometimes you think because you're a faithful tither that a check is going to come in the mail and you're going to be able to go out and buy a Rolls Royce. But what happens is it seems like we're faithful to God. You just never run out. You're able to pay your bills. You go to the gas, you go to the gas station. You go to the grocery store. You may not be able to buy you a Rolex or have diamonds and all that. But, that, but the life's not in, in the things that we possess. See, God does miracles. Sometimes you, and sometimes the unnoticeable miracles, we lack gratitude for those things. And we need to have gratitude for you. You need a gratitude. You're still alive. You could have already died. How many of you know somebody your age that's already passed off? You could have had cancer. You could be sick. Your husband could have could have left you, or your wife, or your, your canary could have been, got cancer. Something could have happened. God's been good to you. It's the unnoticeable things. It's the unnoticeable things that blow my mind. That God's trying to show you. What God's trying to show us is sometimes human nature looks for the spectacular. Like, let me give you an example. As I get ready to close. Watch this. Watch this. Moses. Here's the spectacular. Watch this. They come and the Red Sea is in front of them. And behind them, Pharaoh has changed his mind. And here he comes with his chariots and his army to, to wipe them out. 
And he cried out to God. And God says, take the, take the step. And what does he do? He parts the Red Sea. Can you imagine? I mean, go, go to Long Beach. Go to the ocean and just picture that. That's like a wow. Not only that, watch this. He parted the Red Sea. A million, over a million people, that, women, children, all the Israelites, they walked through the Red Sea. Well, the, the greatest miracle is they didn't walk. God didn't make them walk in muddy ground where they couldn't walk. They walked across on dry ground. Same when you're in God's perfect will, it won't be hard. If some of you feel like you're walking on mud, it's because you're on God's perfect will. That's why you're not walking across the dry ground. So there's a spectacular miracle. Moses dies because he misrepresents God. And God says, go up the mountain and look. And Moses pleaded with him, please let me. And he said, no. No. You misrepresented me to the people. That's the danger for leadership. We must be spiritual leadership. Watch this. So, listen, he, he dies and all that. He doesn't come down from the mountain. Now, Joshua and the Israelites are waiting and waiting and waiting. He don't come back. That's why in Joshua chapter 1, God has a conversation. He goes into Joshua's hand. And let me give you a, my version of my Joe's commentary. What are they? I mean, what are you doing? Get up. Moses, my servant, is dead. What was he doing? He was bringing confirmation to something he already knew but didn't want to face it. Otherwise, he would have already said, Moses is dead. Moses God. God had to bring confirmation to us. He already knew because Moses didn't come back. He go up the mountain. Moses never talked. There's no record that he ever told Joshua. I'm going to go up there because God's going to kill me or I'm going to die up there. So all of a sudden, here's what Moses, my servant, is dead. Get up and lead these people. He said, but I'm going to do something different this time. Moses always led the way with a miracle. And the ark followed. Now, you get priests and you get the ark, you put them in front of the people. Saying, that old season of life is over. The season I gave you and allowed you to operate in, now I'm going to require more from you. Last year, whatever spirituality you had ain't going to work for this year. So he says, we're going to do something new. See, that's the problem with some leaders and some Christians. You don't, don't stay current with God because you're living in the past. You're reading, you're praying, you're loving, you're giving. Everything is in the past. You've been doing that for 10 years. And God's doing a new thing. You're stuck on. You're stuck on. Oh. You said it, not me. But since you confirmed it, let me say it. You're stuck on stubborn. You're stuck on self. You're stuck on old. God's over there. You're still right here. So he says, now watch this. This is the importance of you staying open and teachable and moldable. Or you become like a piece of bread that's been left on the counter for a week. 
That's going to be a revelation. <laughs> they tried to tell you for 10 years. Okay, let's move on. Let's watch this. we got to get to the point. The season that God told Moses, that told Joshua to cross the Jordan didn't make sense. Watch this. It didn't make sense. If they would have waited two months around there, some commentators say five weeks, whatever, the Jordan would have started to dry up and they could have went across and it would have been ankle deep. Maybe underneath their knees, it would have been okay. At this point, it was the flood stage, flood season. It means it was beyond, they would drown. It was, over there. It was, it was like a raging, like white water rapids. Hello, God. Look at the calendar. Can't you just wait for a little bit? That's what we do sometimes because we have natural thinking. And he said, now. So these, these priests, can imagine this. Obedience always precedes your miracle, your financial breakthrough, your healing, what you need from God. Because the priest could have said, wait a minute, Joshua, you want us to go first? Yeah, you want to see us drown. You go. Huh? You go. I want you. Pastor Alfred, I want you, you, and you. You guys go. All right. You go. Huh? Obedience. They got the ark. Regardless of what they were thinking. They got the ark. Their feet touched the water. And they slowly, even though they knew that they kept going, they were going to drown. They got the ark. They started slowly going. The Bible says this. This goes back to the miracle in all four Gospels. Which is, the Bible says in a place called Aram, about six miles away, God stopped the water. They couldn't see it with their natural eye. Because God sometimes works the best, not when you can see it. He's working even when you don't see it. He's already working out your future. He's already, he already sees this. He, see, they couldn't see it. He wanted to see their obedience. He had already provided the miracle. It took a period of time before the water stopped. But because they stepped out in obedience, they were about to receive their miracle. Oh, my God. It was in a part of the Red Sea all at once. It was like the feeding of the 5,000. It was an unnoticeable miracle. And what triggered it was their obedience. I don't have a lot going for me. I'm not sharp and wise and all this stuff like a lot of the other guys. But I know the voice of God. And I obey the voice of God. And because of that, God has blessed my life and God has blessed my ministry. Obedience. And others couldn't withstand the storms and the trials. I sat in the ashes and waited and stayed in his presence. And I obeyed him. I've weathered the storms of death and all betrayal and heartache and slander and struggles and sickness, all kinds, because I just obey God. That's the key to your blessing. That's the key to this church. 
That's the key to God's fresh anointing on your leadership. That's the key to your financial miracle. Obeying God and letting that stubborn self-will come out of you and die. Let's stand to our feet. Let me have every head bowed and every head closed. Oh, hallelujah. Every head bowed, every head closed. Come on, Christians, if you're, just begin to pray. There's people in the valley of decision. There's people in the valley of decision. We have hundreds and hundreds of people in this service. The house is full in the second service, just like the first. There's some of you here, you're, 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 you're still, you're like Jacob. Jacob went to the valley. It's called the Valley of Baca, a dry, barren place. See, self will always take you to a dry, barren place. Your sin and your compromise and your stubbornness will keep you in Baca. God in his grace, his mercy, and his love will come to you in Baca. Because he wants to bring a change. He, he wants to break the hollow of your thigh. See, I've had to die. And I had to decrease. And every time God was going to take me to a new level of anointing and a new level of, of, of spiritual authority and a new level of blessing, a new level of provision... On my life and on my ministry, I had, there, was, there had to be something of death. There had to be something, the natural of the flesh that had to go away. And everybody here has Sarah in your life that God wants to change. And it's never we arrive, it's always an ongoing thing. You know, sometimes God allows that. I've realized Joe, Joe's realized in his own life, Keep me humble and keep me close and keep me broken that I need God. Not to ever get full of myself. To always stay dependent on God. Some of you here, you're, 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 you're in need of a breakthrough. You're in need of a healing. You're in need of a miracle. Some of you need financial. Some of you need physical. Some of you need to surrender your life. Maybe you're here today and you're not where you should be with God. Maybe you're backsliding in your heart and you never gave your life to the Lord. As the head is bowed and eyes are closed, that's you. I want you to raise your hand and say, man, Pastor, I need prayer. God bless you. Is there other hands up? You say, man, I'm not where I should be. God bless you in the back. God bless you. Anybody else all over the place? God bless you. God sees your hand. Say, man, I, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want to just pray for you. All of the preaching and everything we do would be in vain if we were not seeing lives transformed in this church. It would be, it would be like sound brass, a tingling cymbal. It would be, I would quit this thing. But what drains us is because we see people's lives touch and change. Anybody else? God bless you. Hands are going up. Anybody else? I want to just say a prayer for you right there where you're at. I'm going to say a prayer. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray. God reached out to me in the kitchen table. He could do it right here. Watch. I want you to say, Jesus. Come on, say, Jesus. Forgive me of all my sins. My stubbornness. My rebellion. 
doing things my own way. I'm tired. I surrender. With the blood you shed on that cross, wash away all my sins, my failures, my weaknesses. Help me to change and grow. I fully surrender my life to your Lordship. Thank you, Lord. Just, just honor the Lord. There's a sweet spirit moving right now. For deep, call it thunder deep. Oh, do you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart? It's taking you from one level to a new level. The proof of desire is pursuing. 